Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Good morning, Thrive. So glad to have you. So glad to have you here and glad to be back. We were, we were gone last week. As you know, uh, my wife's father passed away. So your love and support, man, we have felt it. Thank you guys so much. We have felt you just coming around on us, loving on us, being there for us, being an amazing church. And then, of course, just the ability to know that in, a, in an urgent situation, the church is the church, and, and it's not about the pastor. It's awesome. So thank you so much. That being said, it is good to be back with God's people in God's house. And, and you're like, this isn't God's house. It's City Hall. Today it's God's house. Yeah. Um, today it is, so at least on Sundays. Um, and so, so as I'm, I'm thinking about, as we're continuing the series, uh, I want to share a story that happened to, you, happened to us this week, a moment that we had. And uh, it's it's pretty funny. Uh, hear me out. You're gonna be like, "Why is this funny?" So we were at we were we went back to the cemetery um, the day after the funeral as we're leaving to just visit the grave site. And, and he's he's buried. Uh, Bill is buried next to where our son is buried. And and we wanted to put some flowers and stuff. And we get there and doing it. And and so if you don't know, this is Glory. She's our three year old. Um, that's Glory. Okay. She's, she's number five in our family. We're not Catholic, just fruitful. And, 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 and she is, man, she's just a firecracker. She's just a bowl of fun. And, and we're at the cemetery, and, and, and uh, Angela was looking for a, another one. She knew somebody else who was buried there, and she was just going to look at the, at the headstone. And, and the whole family kind of goes, but Glory, being the three-year-old, kind of lags behind, and she's wanting to play with the flowers and things like that. And I'm like, come on, come on, Glory. And she starts coming, so I kind of turn my back and start walking. And a minute later, we're standing at the next thing, and Glory walks up. She's got a bouquet of flowers. <laughs> we're like, Glory, where'd you get that? She throws them down. She's like, I don't know. <laughs> and it's just this moment where you're like, what do you do? And we're looking like, we don't know where this came from. We don't, you know. Uh, now, that being said, we, we believe the Bible, so we don't believe there's anybody in a, you know, dead person somewhere being like, hey, what the heck, you know. Um, uh, uh, we believe they're in heaven or not. And, uh, and so, but, but that moment, like, she just, as a three-year-old, she's not worried about what somebody thinks. She's like, those are pretty and I shall take them, you know. Um, she's, not, she's not worried about tomorrow. She's not worried about repercussions. She's just being three. She's just being a sweet little girl, loving God and loving life and loving her family and like, well, those are nice, I'll take them. And then when she was done with them, throw them on the ground, right? Because that's what a three-year-old little girl does. And the thing about that, the thing about, she has this lens of the world that's different, right? How many of us are thinking about tomorrow and the next thing and what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing, 
what happened, what didn't happen, our shame, as Nathan was talking about, our brokenness, and, and, and the, the book of Colossians, we call it colossal because it's a colossal change, right? Do you remember what week one was? It's all about Jesus. Jesus changed everything. And so Paul's writing this letter to this church in Colossae, and he's saying, you guys need to understand, everything's different now. They're falling into this new, these old patterns, not new. And what they're trying to do is, Riker taught last week so well, he did a great job, didn't he? Yeah. If you want to learn stuff, come when Riker teaches. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Sync, uh, they tried what we would call syncretism. They were trying to combine either paganism or Judaism or whatever with their Christianity. And it's like, that, that's not how this goes now. Jesus changed the game. It is a colossal change of life when you come to Jesus. You cannot stay the same, and if you can't, you've not met him. If you have to stay the same, you don't know him. Now, don't get me wrong. We all struggle with our stuff. We all battle, you know, as some would say, our demons. But there's a difference between it being a struggle and just a willful, wanted exercise. You know what I mean? There are some things we do um, over and over, but we do so willingly. And then there are other things like, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with this. This is a battle of mine. I fell, but I don't want to be there. And, and the life in Christ begins to deliver us away from that. And changes our mindset about all this stuff. Like, I'm different. I've been pulled out now. I'm separate now. I'm a new creation, and it's changing me. And so if you go to, to uh, Colossians chapter 3, and we're going we're gonna to read through this, and we're going to break it down into a few different sections today. Let's read this together. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other, since you've taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in, the, in knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here... There is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or scathian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if, you have, if one of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. 
Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all the wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would speak today and you would have your way. That I would be your mouthpiece, God. That I wouldn't get in the way. And that you would speak to us, you would renew our minds, our hearts, draw us nearer to you. Move across this place, encourage us, convict us, draw us closer. In Jesus' name, amen. So a lot of instruction there. We're going to break it down in a few sections. First, verse 3 through 5. You've been raised with Christ. Don't set your mind on earthly things. Your life is now in Christ. Here's what that is. That is an above average life. We live in a world that is super average. Everybody lives so much the same. Really, I mean, if, if you don't believe me, look at social media. Spend an hour. <laughs> Spend an hour on Twitter. One thing about Twitter, I, I kind of like Twitter because I like to follow some, some different sources out of, outside, of, outside of mainstream stuff and hear some different voices and, and get some more direct data than just what the experts say, okay? But I, I like that. But here's the thing about Twitter. There's something about it that draws you in to just want to say nasty, snarky things, you know? It, it, feels like, it feels like some guy's standing there, and you're in the dark, and you just, just kind of go up and like, uh, and then like run away, and nobody knows who you are, <laughs> you know? And it, it, it drives me crazy. And then it drives me even more nuts because I watch people do that on Twitter. And then I want to do it to them, right? And that's average, that's what a lot of people do there. That's what we do. We are, we are living in the average society. We averagely look at porn. We averagely destroy our marriages. We averagely drink heavily. We averagely, you know, we just get through school. We averagely casually date. We a- and we have now been called as followers of Christ... To live differently. Something else has to occupy the space of our minds. Something else has to like change it. And and he says, set your mind on things above. Notice in that moment, right there he's saying, look, look, the problem isn't your heart. Your heart's been changed. Jesus dwells there. Your mind is the battlefield. Some people break it down like this. We, we are reflective of God, like God is Trinity, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we're reflective of that um, spirit, soul, and body. Or, or some would say spirit, mind, and body, okay? I, I, I do believe the mind is where the spirit and the flesh meet somewhere within the system. I don't fully understand that. There's a mystery within that, but there is. And, and this is where our battlefield and our war takes place. It doesn't take place in our heart. Jesus has renewed our hearts. Now, don't get me wrong. The Bible very clearly says the heart is wicked and deceitful. That follow your heart is always bad advice. Follow Jesus, good advice, okay? But that being said, the battle for the heart is in the mind. This is our gateway. This is our, this is our, this is our entryway, our foyer. We don't have a foyer here. We have 
two doors into a gym. But, but most churches have a foyer, right? You know, that, that entryway, that space. All, all churches, you know, who build it, they always want them to look nice and stuff. So you're like, oh, maybe I'll want to go in the auditorium then. Right here, you don't have a choice. Just you're in, okay? But, which is, which is pretty cool because that's kind of like Thrive. Once you're here, you just, you never want to leave. Um, so, and you're in forever. Uh, so, too bad. It's, it's too late. You can't leave. So, <laughs> but we're not a cult. Okay, no, I'm kidding. It's a joke. It's a joke. Relax. It's just a joke. Okay. I get yelled at for making that joke. It's been a while, though. It's been like two, three years since I made that joke, so it's, it's just time. Okay, so, so <laughs> got to bring it back. All right, so, so the idea is we want to come in that entryway, right? Same thing in your house, right? Well, I, I know, you know, one of the first rooms we decorated in our house now, you know, is the room everybody sees first, right? Your laundry room, like, we'll get to that when we get to that, you know? Most people are not like, you know, what I really want to get to is the garage, no, the thing that you enter through, everything that enters through into your heart, into your spirit, goes through your mind first. You and I made conscious decisions to say, Jesus, come into my heart. You open the door. Now, don't get me wrong. You opening the door didn't save you at all. You know, that's like saying the guy who let you out of prison because you walked out means, you know, I saved me. Not true, Okay. For all the Calvinists, take a deep breath, all right? So we, we believe Jesus saved us by grace alone, none of our works. But that being said, there is a battle in our mind, and to live above average means to take our mind above average. And that means in this moment, set your mind on what is spiritual. It's time we start getting a little weird. We need to start getting spiritual and stop trying to be so practical. The church did it well for a long time. Now, it's not helping. Because you know what? Nothing in the world is practical anymore. <laughs> is anything practical? All these efforts to like solve race issues. I don't see it being solved. I feel like it's worse. Anybody feel like it's worse? But yet, we're supposed to be doing better. We have all these great new ideas. And none of them are working. Why? Because we're trying to solve it on a practical level, and it has to be solved in the spirit. Hate is not resolved by programs. It is resolved by transformation in here. And it starts by letting, letting God move here starts here. We need to begin to live above average. We need to stop scrolling as much. If this, is, if this is occupying our mind, anybody here scroll sometimes, and we see stuff we don't want, and yet we keep scrolling? I do. Happens to me, and yet I'm like, you know what, God? Take me above this. Move me beyond this. I want to set my life on the spiritual. I want to live that way. I want to think that way. The other day, it was so cool. The other day I went, I went to... Uh, here and there, I like to go to Stan's Donuts uh, to, to actually work, right? Because it's better than Starbucks now, because Starbucks, Starbucks is weird now. Anybody else? Feel, maybe that's just me, but it's like, I feel like I'm not welcome. Like, you can work here, but I don't like you. <laughs> and I love Starbucks, right? But it's, it, they've changed their, 
Maybe one day I'll get back to normal. I hope so. I can wear seven masks and drink my coffee. But, but for now, I've gone to Stan's Donuts in, in, in Orland there, and, I, and I'll sit and work. And as I'm about to leave, there's a young man there. His name is Kenneth. But I feel like God's saying, invite him to church. And I'm like, man, okay. <laughs> you know, because I, I, do, we all, do we all get that, that nudge from the Holy Spirit? And you're like, I'm all, we always want to nudge back, right? I was going to be like, no, you, why don't you invite him to the spirit in the church, God? What's, you invite, uh, you're, you're, you're better, <laughs> you know, and yet, and yet, all right, all right, I did, and then he's like, hey man, sit down, sit down, pastor, I'm at a pastor and coffee shop once, changing my life, sit down, he's a believer studying to be a lawyer, and he gave me a word from the Lord, I'm not going to share it with you today, but it was awesome, yeah. And I gave him one. I don't think it meant as much, but that's fine. <laughs> and that, but that was a God appointment. But had I ignored, had I lived average and been like, nah, I would have missed that moment. And, and for, just so you know, like, honey, that was God that I was at Stan's Donuts that day. I'm just saying, okay, so she's going to be like, why are you at Stan's Donuts? Why didn't you go to the vegan cafe? Because God doesn't move over vegetables, that's why. But, okay. okay. I'm sorry. I'm kidding, relax. He does. Just He moves slower. Um, <laughs> really what I'm saying is start viewing everything through the lens of heaven. You know, like we're going to be in grief for a season. And that's going to happen. But we constantly need to remind ourselves, what does the scripture say? We don't grieve as those who have no hope. We have to realize 10,000 years from now, I will not be sad about this. We will be worshiping together. I'm going to share a moment with you. I'll move on. When, a little while after Seth passed away, he was our son at 90 days old. We, uh, a friend of a friend... Uh, uh, new Louis Giglio. Anybody here new, knows Louis Giglio? Uh, Louis Giglio and Tomlin kind of came through town. They were doing a concert. And, and I ended up sitting like right next to this pastor friend of mine who's now the pastor of the largest church in Madison, like 10,000 plus people. Uh, we don't talk anymore. But um, <laughs> not because we don't. It just lost touch. But he's a great friend. He was an awesome guy. And he was, he was close friends with Louis Giglio. And afterwards he said, hey, do you, do you want to? He knew what happened. And he said, do you, should we go pray with Louis? yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. And I remember Louis Giglio, we just talked to him for a minute. I don't remember what he prayed. I don't remember anything. I remember two things. One, he looked way older up close. <laughs> okay, but number two, he said, you know, when you get to heaven, Seth's not going to be like, hey, what happened or what went wrong or what? Because he's in glory. We keep thinking down here, and we have to stop. If we want to be effective for the kingdom, let me tell you, and I, you guys know, this, I bang this drum a lot, the relevant movement and being practical and middle of the line about everything is over. Because the middle of the line is a thin yellow line, and if we cross it, we're going to get hit. It's not what it was just 10 years ago here. Culture is left Christ, and that's okay, because God's still in control. But it's a great opportunity to lean into the Spirit, not away from Him. 
to live above average. The other day, I wanted to post something on Facebook. Something that would not have been received well. <laughs> and I showed my wife. She's like, I wouldn't. She was right. But that moment, I wanted to not, I didn't want to be above average. I wanted to be average. I wanted to do what everybody else does. Get out there and be like, nah. And you know what? I still to this moment believe I'm right. <laughs> That's not a pun, okay? <laughs> but I didn't because in that moment, Lord, you know, the Lord through my wife, thank God, is like, bad idea. Because that's, that's not a spirit-led life. That's a flesh-led life. Live above that. And to know how to live above that, he kind of, he kind of gives like a list. He gives, he gives what, are we, what are we doing to, to live above average, to live spiritually? Well, he talks about putting to death all these things, sexual immorality. We'll go through that list in a, a little bit, but the way we used to walk versus the way we walk now. All of these things, this huge list of immorality, filthy lips, rage, malice, greed, that is what the average is. In this world, that is what the average is. We are called to live above average. We are also called in this section right here, live against the grain. What does that mean, against the grain? So, so... We'll break down that stuff in a second, but I'm, I'm kind of handy, not super, but kind of. I can, I can build you some shelves. You do not want me to build the house, okay? Um, I, can, I can fix some stuff. My, my daughter's bunk bed broke the other day because children, and, um, and I was able to put it back together, uh, but, but I could not build that bunk bed from scratch, somewhere in there. So, so, so wood... Meat and a lot of other things, they have a grain, right? See, it flows this way. If you have hair, I do not. You have hair. It has a grain. It has a flow. You go with the flow, right? I think so. I think from what I remember, that's how you brush. It's been a long time. But, but the same thing. So you go with it. And if you cut against it, okay, this is easier to cut than this. I can cut this. It's just going to take a little more work. Now, on a piece of wood and a saw like this, you might not know the difference, but, but over enough time you would, right? As a whole, you want to cut with the grain. Am I right on this, Scott? Yeah, as a, as a rule, you want to cut with the grain. Not always possible, not always doable, but if you can, you want to go with the grain. But here, Paul's saying to live spiritually, you have to go against it. You have to cut different. You have to live differently than everybody else. And one of the things is going against what the average is. And the average is all of those things. The average is sexual immorality, lust, evil desires, greed. The average believes sexuality is now fluid. Now does anybody remember just a few years ago when it was I was born this way? And now it's Anything I want on any given day? Well, what changed? Culture. God didn't, though. God says, look, I, in love, I've designed a man and a woman. Now, does that mean we don't have our struggles and desires? We do. 
But the Lord says, that, but that's not my design. You're going to have to go against the grain of the average. You're going to have to choose something else. Lust, desiring something that doesn't belong to us. Lust is bigger than sex, right? As a friend said to me years ago, it's a heart issue. I desire something more. We, we all get that way. Some of us have, have lust for stuff, and gr- that's called greed. We want more, and it's never quite enough. Once I, have that, once I have that vacation, then, and then all of a sudden you find out that's not enough. Because the only thing that's enough, the only thing that satisfies the longing and hurt of the soul is Jesus. That is it. But it cuts against the grain. And it pulls against the flesh. The flesh is constantly, the flesh is our earthly desires, if you don't understand my terminology, okay? The stuff that pulls me into all the stuff that destroys me. That's my flesh, and it's not helping. We all have, guys, we all have it. We all have the stuff and want to do the stuff that breaks us down. Some of you are like, I don't. I'm super fit, and I'm committed to my spouse. Good for you. I bet you we could find something wrong with you. <laughs> Let's take a few minutes. No, I don't want to do that with you, but we can. Some of us are like, well, no, I don't do any of those things. But you know who does? And I'm like, oh, gossip. There it is. There it is. <laughs> we just found something. You do something wrong. <laughs> no, I was praying for them. No, you weren't. <laughs> Right? We all got stuff. And the truth is, all of our stuff is crazy ugly. All of it. There is nobody in this room, as a pastor, and I'm, uh, this is all I'll say, relax. Okay? Nobody's, nobody's business is going to be put out there. I know a lot of people's in church's business because that's a pastor. And you know what? It's all ugly. And so is mine. And Paul calls out the believer and says, we're going to put that stuff away now. You know what we want to do? If we, if we lived our life in an orphanage, and then somebody, some, someone someday adopted us, brought us in, loved us, and gave us everything, but the orphanage was nearby, some of us, most of us, we would occasionally maybe want to go back and sleep there because it's comfortable. Now the doors are open and we don't live there anymore, but we want to. That's the wrong desires. Those are the earthly desires. Because it's comfortable. It's what we know. It's average. We're used to it. We want to go back to the things that destroy us and we don't even see it. And we're all good at it. We are, if you think, no, I have, man, I love God so much and I'm doing so awesome. We all have our stuff. We all have stuff we need to constantly put away. Until this life is over, this battlefield will rage. That being said, Paul is telling us through Jesus, there is more freedom. I like how one, one Bible college professor taught he said, the thing about it is you, can, you will not be sinless and perfect, but you can be free. And freedom is an ever-present issue. Freedom gets easier, but it's never cheap. We're seeing that in our country right now. If you disagree, that's okay. It's all right. We're glad you're here. Don't vote. 
Okay, so, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Vote all you want. Vote twice. It's Illinois. <laughs> Matter of fact, on that topic, here, here's a good example of people's mentality right now. Here's on the right. Here's a, here's, here's a struggle on the right. A socialist sees an expensive house and thinks no one should live like that. Capital sees the same, capitalist sees the same house and thinks everyone should be able to live like this. And a kingdom person looks at that and says, I want to live higher. There's nothing wrong with having that, but that can't have me. A kingdom person says, I have stuff, but stuff doesn't have me. I belong to Jesus. There's nothing wrong with stuff. Nothing. God does not despise wealth. Somebody's like, well, Jesus said to the poor man, give, or to the rich man, give everything he had away. Yeah, once. He didn't tell that to everybody. Why not? Now, he says to everybody, give everything, uh, leave it all and follow me. He does say that. But all is different for every person. Some of you can be wealthy and it'll never have your heart. Some of you will be poor and you will always be greedy. It doesn't matter. It's a condition of here. And that is changed up here. Let God redeem us and do away with the lust and the desire for stuff. And, 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 and basically, he sums it up. He basically says, anything that is not Christ-centered is idolatry. Is your home a house of worship? Is your bank account a place of worship? Is your scrolling an act of worship? The truth is everything we do 24-7 is worship. It's just when we realize it and when we don't. Sometimes, probably too often, I fail on that plenty. Right? I just want my downtime. Man, even your downtime is worship. Let's get a little weird let's get above average. Let's go against the grain. The grain, the grain sucks. In our culture, in our world, the grain is falling apart. Things are falling apart at the seams, and not just here, across the world. There's almost, almost 50 some or, or greater churches, I think it might be near 100 now, am I right? Churches burned down in Canada uh, somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, have you heard about this, Jason? It's an insane amount. And people are burning them down. They can't figure it out. And they're saying it's tied to, to racial equity. How? Who, who, what problem does that solve? We're solving nothing. We're solving hate with hate. What is that? That's anger, rage, malice. That's what the world does. We don't solve things that way. That person said this, anger, rage, malice, filthy lips. We don't go there. All of us, when we're ticked, want to... Right? We all, we all do it. <laughs> we all get that mad. We all... And even here, Paul's, God's using Paul to say, hey... Let's even stop talking like that. Let's talk higher. 
Now here's, you know, and, and I think Thrive embraces this, we're a church that wants to be real, we don't want to pretend. But at the same time, while we don't want to pretend, we do want to pursue. So if you're, if you're not okay, don't be okay. But you know what? Don't be okay in Christ. See what I mean? I remember, I remember those, those early days, that worst, that worst season of our life when we, when we had lost Seth. And I remember wrestling with Job, like, why, 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 God? Why does God allow things to happen? Why is this happening to us? What went wrong? What's wrong with me? And I remember my pastor, because we were wrestling through Job, and my pastor said, the point of this, the point of all of this is not what the devil gets to do, what's wrong with you, what's wrong with the world. The point of Job is God gets the last word. That's an eternal viewpoint. I see the kingdom and the throne in everything I say and do. I want to become obsessed with the spiritual. Not, not, there's that quote, right? We've talked about it. There's that quote, you know, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Yeah, that's a good quote. It's not in the Bible. Yeah, I've met people who are crazy spiritual, and to quote Robert Morris... No, they got weird after they got the Holy Spirit. No, they were already weird. <laughs> if you get the Holy Spirit, it, makes you, it should make you effective in this world, not a defect. <laughs> Holy Spirit, that's the whole point. He transforms us. Change me, God. And if you're like, well, he hasn't done that for me. Have you asked him to change your wants? God, I, Romans 7 and 8 is all about that. The same guy who wrote this wrote Romans 7 and 8 and said, what I want to do, I don't do, and what I hate, I do. But he goes on to say, but I find this law at work, that greater is he who is in me. The work of grace is at work in me, changing my wants and desires. He's changing my mind. He's changing my thought patterns. I may not be where I want to be, but I'm not where I was. I may not be as whole as I should think I should be, but I'm not nearly as broken as I was. Let him transform you. What Jesus did at the cross was to not just get you out of hell, but to change everything. And that's a good question. Do you really want him to change you? Because here's what he'll change you into in that last section, right? Therefore, as brothers and sisters, clothe yourselves with compassion. Here's the trade. You're going to go against the grain. You're going to begin to clothe yourselves with compassion, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, binding in unity, bearing with. So God wants you to live above average, against the grain, and with a bowed knee below the throne. See, a lot of times when you become like, people think if you become like Jesus, you become all religious, you become a jerk, you become pious, you think you're better than everybody. But those who really come to Jesus, and when they're really transformed, we become more humble. As somebody once said, we don't become offended by sin, we become broken by it. 
I become humble. I become compassionate. I become filled with grace and kindness. I bear with one another. I say, oh, you failed? Come here. I'm a failure too. I got you. Let's do this together. Because we all fall. But I you look at my failures through the lens of eternity. All right, God, this happened. This tragedy happened. Use it. Here, do something with it. Instead of saying, no, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to make it right. You can't fix it. You can't make it right. But Jesus does. That's literally what he does. It's a great quote from a James Bond movie. Like, what's, what's your hobby? Resurrection. That's Jesus. Jesus resurrects. He humbles us. He breaks us. He teaches us that walking with a limp is more effective than running on your own if it's with Jesus. He trades our anger and our rage for compassion and mercy and grace. He begins to say that everybody you found ugly, you might now see Jesus in. It's a colossal difference. We aren't right and left. We are kingdom people. We aren't white and black anymore or Asian or this. We are kingdom people. He goes on to say that. It's not Jew or Greek. You belong to Jesus now. You don't get to view the world through race anymore. Except the ones like we sang about today where, yeah, every tribe and tongue will sing. But we're going to celebrate that. We're not going to weigh ourselves based on that or identify ourselves as that. We belong to Jesus now. It's all different. It's all changed. And some of you are like, I, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see the change. You know, nobody does right away. It, it's a process. Some things God does in a moment in miracles. A lot of stuff He does over long periods of time. And do you know why? It's not a secret. It's because He's not interested solely in magic. He's interested in a marriage with you and Him over eternity forever. And if you think that when you take your last breath it's over, I would tell you it only begins. You won't be perfect on that side of heaven like Jesus is. You'll be perfected. You'll be in glory and you'll go from glory to glory. You won't be able to sin. But you won't be omniscient and all-powerful like God is. It'll be different. You will still see the kingdom of heaven expand. You know the universe right now, the physical universe, is forever expanding. They don't they can't even figure out why. It never stops expanding. Why? I can tell you why. Because it reflects who God is. There is no end. If you're like, I'm pretty humble. First, I'd be like, that's a weird sentence. (laughs) And second, I'd say, man, can't we go further? Here's the cool thing about all those things. Compassion, kindness, gentle, patient, bear with, forgive, that list. You know what's cool about that list? You can't skip one because if you do, you're cutting out the others. Have you ever known a person who was gentle but really unforgiving? 
They're really kind, but man, they are not patient. I don't know. No, that, that, that's called a liar. <laughs> that's not what that is. You've got to have all those things. And what is that? That's Jesus. That's you becoming like him. God, make me compassionate. Let me see the person who's willing to burn down a building or break into the Capitol or cuss me out online or, or tell me I'm right. Give me compassion for them. Make me kind to the person who's awful to me. Make me gentle with myself when I fall. Make me, make me humble. I'm so arrogant sometimes. I think I deserve so much better. Some of you have fallen just because you think, I deserve more. Humble yourself and say, God has given me everything, and I deserve none of it. Whatever I have, I'm content with. Make me patient. If I'm not changed today, if they're not changed tomorrow, slow me down, God. I'm in too much of a hurry. Help me bear with people and forgive them. Let me encourage you. Bear with people instead of burning bridges. Toxicity is an interesting word. It's not in the Bible. This says, look, I will do everything in my power to bear with and not and, and forgive. It doesn't mean you give them your wallet. <laughs> okay? It doesn't mean you have them babysit your infants. I, I, I get all that. Yeah, trust is different than forgiveness and bearing with. But, but, but it's not way different. And not only that, do you let somebody earn trust back? There's some things we can't, right? We need a justice system. People need to go to prison there. Some people shouldn't be around children anymore. I agree with all that. Justice has to be done in this world. But a good question to ask is, what is Jesus willing to forgive me of? It's not, it's not a secret. <laughs> it's everything. And if he can do that, I can too. Not alone, not on my own, but he, I, I can do it in him. And some of you just need to look in a mirror and say, I've been so prideful, I've let God forgive me, but I won't forgive myself. That's not, that's not humility, that's pride. That's saying your, your grace and understanding is bigger and more important than God's. You're looking at somebody else, and you're like, they need to live up to X, Y, Z standard, and they didn't, and you can't forgive them. How many of us, we have parents, they let us down. Well, you become one. You're going to be like, oh, guess what? <laughs> You're going to do the same thing. Here's a question, and then I'm going to close. What if Jesus really did come to make everything colossally different? Your marriage, your parenting, your finances, your your time at Starbucks, everything is just way different. What would have shipwrecked everybody else, God resurrected. Would have said, I'll never see that better. And God's, man, God changes it all. And my answer to you is that's exactly what he does.
but he does it every day, all the time, everywhere. The very thing that was meant to destroy you, God says, watch this. You, our call, live above average, against the grain, below the throne. His call is resurrecting us. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10.